You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. You can like us on Facebook. And you can hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. That's 920-341-3775. I don't know why I repeat it. This is Radio On Demand. If you missed it, hit back 15 or whatever, and you'll, you'll get it again. Speaking of that fan hotline, I told you a week or so ago that I was so overwhelmed and not in a, in a literal sense that I that it was too much to handle, but I was um, you know emotionally overwhelmed at how many of you took the opportunity to text us or call us and send a message, ask a question. I I want to remind you that the preference is that you say your name and where you're from. Do that. Give me your name. Don't just you know fire off some aggro comment that you have or question. Let let's hear from you. And everyone else wants to know who you are. So just let me know. I've, I've gotten a fair amount of text messages with people that don't leave their name, which is fine when you normally text someone because they know who you are. When you text the line, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't have, this is, this, there's no caller ID on that thing. So you have to tell me. So please do that. I appreciate it. And everyone else does too. They want to know you. We're a community here at Locked on Packers. So that's what today is going to be. It's going to be a voicemail podcast. It's going to be a mailbag podcast. Reader and listener questions, I, I always appreciate being able to engage with you in this way. And there have been a lot of questions. And some I, I'm actually surprised at how infrequently I get the same kind of question, which I think speaks to the intelligence level of the audience. I, I love to see that. And I like to think that I took a little part in, in helping facilitate that. I think that I hopefully attract a certain type of an audience that wants to be informed, that stays informed. But I think more, more generally and more importantly, I think it shows the Packers fan base, irrespective of anything that I do, the Packers fan base is one of the most informed most thoughtful, most intelligent fan bases when it comes to football and following their team that there is out there. There's plenty of people with bad takes on a lot of different things. That's sports media. But I think the Packers fan base knows what's up. And and these these messages, these questions that I get are, are evidence of that. Let's start with a voicemail. Hi there. This is Karsten from Minneapolis. And I just had a question about the running back situation, particularly Ty Montgomery. It's very interesting because I always see experts and analysts and whatnot on ESPN, Bleacher Report, whatever it is. They're always so high on Ty Montgomery. And honestly, I just don't really see it. I The way I see it is Jamal uh, Williams and, and Aaron Jones are the one and two and 
Ty Montgomery, I, although he is versatile, I just feel like he had one big game two years ago against Chicago, and ever since then, everyone thinks he's, you know, the next Le'Veon Bell or something like that. And I've seen people pick him for breakout player of the year or something like that, and I just don't get it. I, I don't see why he's still there, and frankly, I think he should move to slot. And uh, I thought we should have done that in the offseason, move him to slot and release Randall. Um, as much as I love Cobb, um, I thought that Ty Montgomery could do as good of a job if he can stay healthy, which, again, is another big problem with uh, Ty Montgomery. But, um, yeah, just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. So this is interesting. I've, I've gotten a couple variations of this question, and, and one of my NBA buddies, Josh Eberly who writes for Hoop Mag, hit me up on Twitter the other day and asked me about the Packers running back situation. And I think it is a fascinating battle that's playing out here. Jamal Williams is the starter. He is the hammer back. But I think we're going to see a lot of Ty Montgomery in the backfield, and he's he's going to spend a fair amount of time split out as well. And so to Karsten's question, I don't think... The question is, well, what is Ty Montgomery still doing in the backfield? I don't think that's the question. I think the question is, what ways can Green Bay deploy him that makes sense? What ways can they use him that that fully maximize his potential and his ability? And there was a great play on family night, and I was going to write about it, and, and there was just an avalanche of other things that I wanted to talk about that I think were, were more preseason and training camp interesting. And maybe I'll come back to it at some point. But there was a, a third down play, I believe. And Ty Montgomery was in the backfield and just ran this little this little Texas route. He slants out, slants in, and is wide open for a first down. And there was a time in 2016 where the offense was sputtering and their best offense was Ty Montgomery out of the backfield. And it, if they were getting... You know, zone looks, they clear out a side, slip Ty Montgomery out, and he's wide open for a first down. If they're getting man looks, they split Ty Montgomery out, let him run a little slant route, he's got a first down. I think, to the the point that you're making, Carson, is he can be used in so many different ways. And I think saying, well, you're just a slot player, actually undervalues what he can be. And there's a reason that in, in 2014, for example... Green Bay took Randall Cobb and said, we're going to put you in the backfield and we're going to let you make some plays because when you have the ball in your hand, you are dangerous. Don't view Ty Montgomery as a running back. He is an offensive weapon. He is what Percy Harvin used to be for the Vikings. He can play in the backfield. He can play in the slot. He can play split out. Frankly, I've made the case that I think he should return kicks He's a weapon. He's an offensive weapon, and he can be a good running back. He's got the build for it. He has got the explosiveness for it, the leg drive, all the things that you want there. And by the way, there was a play against the Titans where he stood in there in pass protection and lit up a blitzing linebacker. When he's healthy, he can do everything that the Packers are going to ask of him in the backfield. I think the key here is, I expect this backfield to look very similar to the Patriots' backfield of the last few years. Mike Gillisley is the hammer. Rex Burkhead is the pass-catching back. You've got Deion Lewis, who can do a little bit of everything. That's what they have. And Aaron Jones, if they just had Aaron Jones, 
they'd have a really good backfield. But they have three guys, each with different skill sets, who can contribute in meaningful ways to the offense. And I don't think we should be worried about, oh, uh, why is he back there? Why is he not a receiver? They have receiver talent. That's not the problem. The problem is finding roles for all of these guys and finding ways to get the most from each of them. Now, Matthew from Cape Cod was an enterprising young man and, or old man, I don't, I don't know Matthew, but <laughs> he wanted to know, he asked before the preseason game, he wanted post-game assessments. He said, post-game podcast, can you discuss what you saw from the young linebacker? Sad to see Ryan out, but I see Beal replacing Matthews in the future and Burks looks like a ball hawk. Thank you. Well, thank you, Matthew, for your question. I went back and I watched, and I, I put out a Twitter thread. Go back and find that if you, if you haven't seen it. Oren Burks was incredibly impressive to me. In coverage, he is as impressive a cover linebacker as Green Bay has had in the modern game. Like in the last 20 years, they have not had a linebacker who can cover the way Oren Burks has. Running step-for-step step with Jonu Smith, who's an athletic tight end for Tennessee, showed very good quickness and explosiveness in space. The run fits are going to come. He has to get better at getting off blocks. That's a problem for him. He sees it. This is the thing that, that one of the, the subtle things that really stood out to me about him was he had the calls down. He was he was in it. He was ready. He had the calls. He was call he was he was making calls to his fellow teammates. He was recognizing what was going on formationally in front of him and he was letting people know this is what we're doing. This is what to expect. This is what's coming. He was reading and reacting. There were, it was rarely a moment when he didn't seem to know what was going on and where he was supposed to be. I think Green Bay should feel really good about that position moving forward. He's going to take some lumps in the run game, but who cares? I mean, truly, who cares? Because run game fits, it's not the end-all be-all. I mean, it's just like it, it, it is the far less important of the positions that are out there. And so I, I just, if you're, a, if you're a linebacker who can cover and who can run in space, if you can be a run and chase linebacker who can cover, that's so much more important than if you're, let's say, if you're a limited linebacker in a certain way, you would much rather be a limited linebacker who can cover and can move and, and is a little bit undersized or a little bit lacks instincts in the run game. You'd much rather have that guy than the downhill run stuffing inside linebacker who can't play the pass at all. And that's a little bit what Blake Martinez is. And so that's why I've said all along, this is an ideal complement. These two things go together so beautifully with Martinez and Burks because they have such different skill sets that you can put them each in a position to succeed and they're in a position to succeed already given the infrastructure of this defense with the front being as dominant as it potentially can be. Oren Burks played great against Tennessee with backups playing up front. He wasn't he, he played most of the game without those studs in there. And so that speaks volumes to the kind of player he can potentially be. There was a lot of variations on this question that I got on Twitter, that I got on the on the hotline. So let's let Justin ask it. 
Hey man, this is Justin. I'm actually from Houston, Texas. I listen to your podcast every day. He's a Packers fan, been a Packers fan since first grade. Anyways, there's been a lot of hype about a possible trade with Khalil Mack. And I know you hit Earl Thomas earlier, and this is also just another speculation. But Brian also commented on it. I don't know if you saw that. You can maybe fill that in, see how people feel about it. We could get that to work with one of the extra first rounders or something. I mean, that would be, like, one of the best trades since Reggie White. So, if you could talk about it or just sit on it, that'd be awesome. So, this is great. I haven't addressed this on the podcast. But Odd Shark Odds came out on Sunday about where Khalil Mack would be playing in October. And the Packers had better odds than the Raiders. And the odds were weird because that, I mean, that's sort of dumb, I mean, it's just silly, I think. Now, maybe maybe the, the premise is that maybe he just wouldn't be playing in October at all. I find that very hard to believe. But this is, the, this is a question that has been out there, and Brian Gutekunst was asked about it. And when he was asked about the, the speculation that Khalil Mack might be interested in being traded, or at the very least was in this standoff with the Packers, the Raiders, he was asked about it and he said, you know, would you call Reggie McKenzie? And he can't really talk about stuff like that. But he said, look, I would call Reggie anyway just to say hi because they're former colleagues in Green Bay. And that started this speculation that maybe Green Bay would be willing to make this trade. Well, you add in the fact that Reggie McKenzie does have this relationship with the Packers and Reggie McKenzie probably isn't super thrilled with what's going on in Oakland because John Gruden is very much in charge there. So would he convince Gruden that they should trade Mac for whatever package Green Bay is offering? You know, that's a conspiracy theory that I'm not going to go with. It's a funny thing to say and it's, you know, there's some intrigue from a theatrical standpoint there. Reggie McKenzie wants to do the best job that he can because when he's inevitably fired by Oakland because John Gruden does a bunch of dumb stuff, he's going to want a new job. The question is, how much is it going to cost? How much does Green Bay have to give up to get Khalil Mack? And I agree. It could be the best move the Packers make since Reggie White, at least on a defensive player. Khalil Mack is that good. He is not Reggie White good. Reggie White, for my money, is the best defensive end to ever play. But... Kolomak is, if not the best defensive end in football, the best pass rusher in football, the second best. It's like Von Miller, Justin Houston, Khalil Mack in some order. So what is the what is the cost going to be? Green Bay has an extra first round pick thanks to New Orleans. That New Orleans pick is likely to be comparable to whatever Green Bay is going to pick, barring injury. And so what if what it took was Clay Matthews on an expiring and a first? If Clay Matthews at the end of the year is solid, maybe they give him a nice little contract moving forward. It's not going to be for whatever he just got. It's not going to be what he's getting paid now. It's just not. He's not the impact player he used to be, but he's still solid. John Gruden loves aging players. So let's say they can do Clay, a one, and another pick. Do you do that? Uh, Yes. I threw this out to the the Acme Packing Company Slack. Do you do that trade? Everyone. Yes, absolutely. The question is, is he going to come play for you? 
Because right now he's holding out. He wants a new deal now. So if the Packers trade for him, is he going to come in to camp and play? Or is he going to want a new deal right away? And if they're, if the Raiders are going to trade him, can you negotiate with him? This happens in the NFL. It happens in the NBA. It happens in Major League Baseball. If you want to trade for a guy who wants a new contract, you have to be able to negotiate with that guy to get him in camp at the very least. So if you can get assurances that Mac is going to be in camp, even if you can't, convince him to sign a new deal now. I think it's worth, at the very least, you give up Clay and a one. That's an easy call because you got the extra one anyway and you're trading Mac for Matthews on a one-year contract, basically. That is enough. I don't need to know that he's going to sign a long-term contract to make that deal. I don't. This is win or go home. This is absolutely need to have it kind of stuff. And to, to get a player of Khalil Mack's caliber is worth that gamble. If you if you know he's going to come to camp and he's going to play for you this year. And then you figure it out. You figure it out from there. You just, you, you, if, you, if they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, he's not going to want to stay. He's not going to want to play in Green Bay. Who knows how genuinely available Mack is. My guess would be he's not really that available. I think Oakland is going to go out of their way to make sure that this gets resolved, but they but they don't seem to be. Allegedly, there's been no contact, and John Gruden seems like just the kind of coach who's going to try and play hardball and, and say, well, you're under contract. We're not going to extend you. And maybe it is the kind of situation where maybe the Packers don't have to trade for him this year. He can just be a free agent outright next year. And if Oakland is playing hardball with his salary now, where's the evidence that they'd want to franchise him? And could it be the kind of scenario where you, where you say, hey, Khalil, come play for a Super Bowl contending team that wants you to be here, that views you as the missing piece, and we'll open up the checkbook for you. Randall Cobb comes off the books. Clay Matthews comes off the books. That's enough money right there to pay him. Aaron Rodgers' new deal could actually save the Packers money in the next few years and make it easier, depending on what that looks like. Because they can save money this year, roll it over. I mean, it's complicated, and we don't need to get into it. But the moral of the story is, he's worth going to get. He's worth ponying up for. I don't know how realistic it is that he becomes available. I think ultimately, players like this, just he's too good. And Oakland has to get it figured out. And I I think ultimately, cooler heads will prevail in the Bay Area. All right, let's finish up with this from Sean D. If the Packers don't get to the NFC Championship this year, is Mike McCarthy's job in trouble? And this is an interesting question because I, I think this these kinds of questions are always answered by the situation. If there are, you know, if injuries ravage this team again and you know, it doesn't seem realistic that they that they become an NFC Championship team, n- no. Mike McCarthy's job is not in trouble. If this team is relatively healthy and they have another embarrassing playoff exit where they lose on a last second play, uh, you know, maybe I feel differently about how Mike McCarthy is viewed by this administration. Remember, this is a new GM and McCarthy got an extension, but it's only for an extra year. So he has a contract this year. He has a contract next year. It's not that big a deal to just fire him if things don't go well. 
Now, I don't, I don't think that necessarily will happen. I think Brian Gutekunst is not the kind of reactionary uh, GM. But he was also not the guy that installed Mike McCarthy as head coach. And I think clearly the input of Aaron Rodgers is going to matter. I think Rodgers respects McCarthy. I think they have a good working relationship. I don't think they see eye to eye on everything by any means. But I think Rodgers' opinion on this will matter. I think the better question is not, is McCarthy's job in trouble if they don't go to the NFC Championship game? They've gone in two of the last three seasons that Rodgers has been healthy. They've gone to the NFC Championship game, and they were a defensive collapse in Arizona away from getting to the NFC Championship game in 2015, and that team wasn't even that good. Because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Now that certainly, I think, if you want to, if you want to raise the question, well, isn't that more about Rodgers than McCarthy? I think that's a perfect, that's a perfectly logical and reasonable thing to say. I have no way of refuting it. Now I think McCarthy is a good coach, and when he says I'm a highly successful football coach, I think he's right about that. I would rather have McCarthy than you know 25 other head coaches in the National Football League. And so the question is, who else can you get? If you're replacing Mike McCarthy with Chuck Pagano, mm, 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 not interested. If you're, and I think the Josh McDaniels, he's he's nuclear now. Can't touch him. Does someone like David Shaw want to come to the NFL? That's a name that Jason Hirschhorn and I have talked about a lot over the last year or two. But I think this team is a team with legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. If they let's say they go and they win 11 games and they lose in the divisional playoff round because they have to go to New Orleans or they have to go to LA and they lose on the road in a close fought game and you know some penalties didn't go their way, some breaks didn't go their way and they don't go to the NFC Championship game. Is that a failure? Probably. It's certainly not a success. Is it fireable? Maybe. We've seen it before. Tony Dungy got fired in Tampa Bay because all he did was go to the NFC Championship game or the divisional playoff round and couldn't get to the Super Bowl. Now, Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl. He's got a win. He's got three trips to the NFC Championship game and a fluke loss in said championship game. I wonder if the fans and everyone would view this team differently if nothing else were different except they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. I think they had a legitimate chance in 2014. They had already beaten the Patriots that year. And if Devontae Adams catches a wide-open touchdown, they they beat the Patriots by double digits at home. But if, if you just advance them one game and that embarrassing 2014 finish is not the way we remember 2014 and they've gone to two Super Bowls and they're one and one, like just like Brett Favre, I wonder how the legacy question would be asked differently, if it would change anything. I don't know. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. All right, we're going to run the same schedule this week with the Steelers game on Thursday. So we're going to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Some of you were were apparently shocked that we had a podcast up already on Friday morning, and I, I told you it was coming. There's going to be one. We're going to talk about what happens. It looks like Aaron Rodgers is going to play. David Bakhtiari is back at practice. Brian Bulaga is back at practice. We're going to talk later in the week about this weird Jason Spriggs situation, Byron Bell playing over him in the preseason game and not getting an explanation for why it was Bell over Spriggs and, and Spriggs going to the media and saying, I, I, I didn't know it was going to happen. 
That's bizarre. And Mike McCarthy not really giving an explanation. There's some weird things going on there, and I don't I don't know what to make of it. Hopefully it works itself out because Bell was an atrocity against Tennessee. He was awful. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to play, uh, I don't know that I want Bell back there because I don't want them to get Rodgers killed. It's the preseason, and, and usually the starters don't go 100%, but... It's still not an ideal situation when you're defending a two-time MVP, future Hall of Famer, quarterback, the best player in the league, and you might not be the best guy at your spot. We'll see. I hope Bakhtiari plays. I doubt Bulaga will play, but I bet he he plays a quarter or two in the third preseason game. You need those reps. And Rodgers has said, the new offense, I need the reps. There has been such a better variance in formation, more three and four receiver sets. I've really liked what I've seen from this offense in the preseason. So we're going to have a ton to talk about moving forward. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Send your questions there, but also send your questions to the hotline. We're going to do more of these shows if we get more. Look, there's dozens of questions I didn't get to because we ran out of time. I could, I could literally do this podcast with just the questions. Every podcast could just be questions, and I can't do that, unfortunately. I would love to do that. But that's, I mean, we have a lot to get through here. We've got so much to talk about. Multiple J.K. Scott questions. We have punter questions. That's where we are at this point in the season. So I appreciate you doing that. Keep doing that. The number is 920-341-3775. Keep checking out acmepackingcompany.com for the latest with the Packers. Fansided.com, profootballweekly.com. I have a feature for the NFL preview at SB Nation coming. Not Packers related, but still read it. I'd appreciate it. We're getting you set for the 2018 Packers season with the latest everything from Green Bay from 1265. And to be the most knowledgeable Packer fan in your life, you have to do one thing. You have to stay locked on Packers.